1: Jesus went up onto a mountain to pray. Why? Because the cross was looming. And as Pastor Sauer just read, after that initial temptation, the Satan left him for a more opportune time. All throughout his ministry, Satan is there whispering to his disciples, whispering to the scribes and the Pharisees. Satan doing one thing after another to try and, and derail Jesus' ministry. With the cross looming so close by now, Satan comes heavy upon him, as heavy as ever he will until Jesus is lying face down in the garden of Gethsemane, sweating drops of blood. And as Jesus feels the weight of Satan upon him, he goes up a mountain, he asks Peter, James, and John to come with him, and he goes up for one reason, to pray. And if we didn't have Luke chapter 9 explaining to us what Moses and Elijah were talking to Jesus about, we might not understand what he was praying about. He was praying about the cross. Father, is this your will? And if it is your will, give me the strength to do it. As Jesus was praying on that mountainside, the appearance of his face changed. His clothes became bright as a flash of lightning. Two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor talking with Jesus. They spoke about his departure on that cross which he was about to bring to fulfillment at Jerusalem. Peter and his companions were very sleepy, but when they saw this glory and the two men standing with him, they became fully awake. My question is this, did Moses know him? Did Moses know Jesus before he was sent by God as a special favor to God to go to Mount Hermon with the purpose of strengthening and uplifting and encouraging the very Son of God? Did Moses know him beforehand or is he meeting Jesus for the first time? Moses has been in heaven for 1,500 years. And the answer is a resounding yes. Elijah had been in heaven for 850 years. And the answer is a resounding yes. They knew Jesus before ever they came on this mountain. They were there on that day, Philippians 2, 5, when God came to his son and said to him, I have chosen you for a task that no one else can ever do. I have chosen you to die on the cross. Moses and Elijah were there when Jesus said in Philippians 2, I do not think it robbery to be equal with you, God, but I will empty myself and I will take on myself the form of a servant and I will be made in the likeness of men." And I will humble myself unto death, even death on the cross. And then God says to him, Because thou shalt do this, I will give you a name which is above every name, that at your name every knee should bow of things in heaven and things on earth and things under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And when Jesus says this, there is the loudest applause in heaven that shall ever occur until the final day of judgment. The loudest applause that ever occurred. Why? Because the Bible says, Luke fifteen ten, that the angels rejoice over one sinner who repents. billion sinners on this earth. When one sinner repents, the angels in heaven rejoice. Can you imagine uh, their celebration when Jesus says, I will be the Savior of those who sin? The angels and the archangels and the four beasts around the throne and the elders around the throne and the saints already up there. If the angels sang at his birth 33 years earlier, how much they must have sung when Jesus said, I shall do this thing. From the beginning of time, he's up in heaven, part of the Trinity. He's there on the first day of creation. He's there before time ever began, Revelation thirteen eight. Before time ever began, Jesus is there. 2 Timothy 1, nine, for the beginning of the ages he was there. And then was revealed to us by his appearance, virgin birth, babe of Bethlehem. When Moses died on that mountain overlooking the promised lands, first person he met Jesus. When Elijah, 2 Kings 2, was taken up into heaven in that fiery chariot, that whirlwind, first person he meets is Jesus. And God says to them, out of all the saints that are up in heaven, Moses, you, Elijah, you, come and talk to me. I have a task for you to do. Perhaps a task more important, Moses, than when you opened the waters of the Red Sea. Perhaps a task more important, Elijah, than when you stood on Mount Carmel Against 850 prophets. I dare say, when you get to heaven, you ask Moses what his greatest day was. If you ask Elijah what his greatest day was, they will say, This moment on the Mount of Transfiguration, when God chose us to go to his son and strengthen him and encourage him to go to the cross. Why, Moses? Why, Moses? because Moses was the one chosen by God 1,600 years earlier to lead his children out of slavery in Egypt where they had been for 400 years. He was not chosen because of his courage. He wasn't very courageous at all. He wasn't chosen because of his eloquent speech. He stuttered. God said, I'll let Aaron do some of the talking for you. It was not because of his political connections. He was a Hebrew. And it wasn't because of his moral life he had murdered an Egyptian. God chose him for reasons God alone knows. Why was Moses chosen to go and down and talk to Jesus? Because Moses could say this to him. My being chosen by God 1,600 years ago was for the salvation of his people, Israel, one million strong. But Jesus, the task God has chosen you for, from the beginning of time, is not to save one and million people and their offspring. It is to save trillions upon trillions upon trillions of God's children of every nation, tribe, and tongue. To save them, and not for another 50 or 60 or 70 years on this earth, but to save them for all eternity. Moses could say to Jesus, I defeated Pharaoh and his army. You will defeat Satan, and you will defeat sin and death and the power of the devil. Moses could say to Jesus, I argued with God I've said to him, I'm not the man. You need to choose someone else. But you didn't argue with him, Jesus. You said to him before he finished the question, you said to him, I'll go down. I'll empty myself. I'll take on the form of a servant. I will die on the cross. And Jesus, when I delivered the people through the waters of the Red Sea, And we came out on the other side. Exodus 15, we wrote a song, but it wasn't a song to me. Miriam and myself wrote a song giving praise to God. Every stanza of that song we wrote, praise to God. But Jesus, if you go to this cross, God will give you a name above every name. That at your name, every knee should bow. Let me ask a question. Did Jesus need the encouragement? Yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. Hebrews 2.17 said, Jesus had to be made like his brothers in all ways, in order that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God. And then it says, When Jesus suffered, when he was tempted... He is able to help us when we are tempted. Did he suffer? Yes. Did he have doubts? Yes. Hebrews 4.15, we do not have a high priest in heaven who cannot sympathize with the feeling of our weakness. We have a high priest who has been tempted in all ways, even as we have, yet without sin. He suffered more than any human being ever could to the point of sweating drops of blood, To the point of begging his father to let this happen some other way. To the point of saying on the cross, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He needed encouragement. He needed encouragement. You saw in the puppet. you heard in the gospel. Satan comes upon him, tempting him early in the ministry. And now he comes at this more opportune time. Why Moses? Why Elijah? Because both of them could say to Jesus, God is with you. Your heavenly Father is with you. He was with me as we walked through the waters of the Red Sea when there was no way out. Elijah said he was with me on that mountain 850 prophets of Baal against one prophet of Jehovah and after eight hours on that mountain and the Baal God did not speak I uttered one prayer to your heavenly father Jesus and before the prayer was over the fire came down from heaven Moses defeated Pharaoh I defeated the prophets of Baal you will defeat Satan in all of his power What is impossible with men is possible with God. Jesus, go to the cross. Your heavenly Father will be with you. What was Moses' last word to Jesus? I cannot help but think his last word was what he said to the children of Israel before they went into the waters of the Red Sea. The Lord God will fight for you. You need only be still. Did it work? Yes. Did it work? Yes. He comes off the mountain, he performs a miracle, and then Luke writes After that miracle, he healed the boy possessed by the demon. Luke says he set his faith steadfastly to Jerusalem, steadfastly. He was a man on a mission. And the mission was not the waters of the Red Sea. And the mission was not defeating 850 prophets of Baal. His mission was defeating sin, death, and the power of the devil. What does this have to do with you and me? I'll tell you very quickly. Jesus said, I need Peter, James, and John to go with me. I can't think of anyone else. I need Peter, James, and John. He would ask them a few weeks later to go with them in the garden. What happened to them? They fell asleep. It wasn't because they lacked an hour of sleep. They just fell asleep. What happened on the Mount of Transfiguration? You heard me read it. You heard us read it last week. They were very sleepy. (laughs) And when Moses and Elijah appeared, man, they woke right up. They were very sleepy. God is watching Jesus and he's saying, I'm glad you got the disciples. It's not good for men to be alone. I'm glad you have them. I'm glad you got Peter, James, and John. But I'm going to tell you something, Jesus. I'm going to do you one better. I'm going to do you one better. I will not send an angel to minister to you. I am going to do something I have never, ever, ever, ever done I'm going to send Moses down from heaven. He'd been there for 1,500 years. I'm going to send Elijah down from heaven. Forget Peter, James, and John, Jesus. I'm going to send you Moses, and I'm going to send you Elijah. Was that the best God could do? I mean, that's mighty stuff. Was that the best God could do? No. Because when Moses and Elijah were through talking, God himself came down in a cloud, Exodus thirty-three, twenty: No man can see the face of God and live. He comes down in a cloud. And out of his mouth comes these words for Jesus. He says to his son. You are my beloved son. In whom I am well pleased. Go to the cross. My son. What does it mean for us? This. God will always put people in your life at the time of need. Some of them will be friends like Peter, James, and John. Some of them will be complete strangers. They will come into your life sent by God, and you will know that God is behind it. You have already experienced that in your life, I am sure. And perhaps you have been that angel in someone else's life. God always operates that way. I find it not strange to think that on this weekend, with compassion events going on, with Ken coming up here to talk about compassion, I think it not strange to say to you, there are children's pictures in that room and there are children's pictures out on that table. I have had Hersey for the last six years, her birthday was two weeks ago, 12 years of age, I have been able to touch her life as a compassion child. I've been able to see her on two occasions. I do believe God brought me into her life and the 216 of you that sponsored children, I believe God has brought you into their lives to be that angel of mercy. That's all. On a busy Sunday morning, that's all. God never abandoned his son, gave him every miraculous sign, including Moses and Elijah and God himself, telling him, go to that cross. God will never abandon any of his children, not his son, not you, and not me on this first Sunday in Lent. And in our Savior's name, amen. Would you rise as we pray? And even though, Lord, you will say to Jesus at that moment, you are my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased, it was but a few weeks later that, Jesus, you are hanging on that cross And the most terrible words you ever spoke were the greatest words that humanity would ever hear. Because you said to your Heavenly Father, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And the reason God had forsaken him, he was accepting the penalty of Jesus' death for mankind's sins. By his stripes we are healed. And then... A few moments later, Jesus is saying, it is finished. His relationship with God restored, the penalty paid. And God opens his arms and says to his son, well done, my son, well done. You have saved all of creation, those who believe that you are the way, the truth, and the life. You have saved them. You accepted the task that I had chosen you to do. My children are thereby saved. Be with us, Lord, in our Savior's name. Amen.